three, two, one, roll the footage. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Simon Severino, your host. And today, my guest has started, founded, and built over 20 companies over the last quarter of a century across a diverse variety of industries, including the Energy Fitness Group, Worldwide Health Corporation. He's very humbled to have shared the stage with various high-profile people like Kofi Annan, Sir Richard Branson, former U.S. President Bill Clinton, and many others. His clients list includes several governments, members of royalty, Google, and the NASA. We will talk today about the difference between success and fulfillment, how to access joy even when you're under stress, and the real reasons for building a business. Welcome, everybody, Peter Sage. Hello, what an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm looking forward to our chat. What are you currently creating? What am I creating? I'm, I'm actually creating a, a, a business that I started now three years ago from scratch. And, uh, and that's more in the personal growth space, helping people raise consciousness, find more deeper levels of joy and fulfillment, and kind of rescue entrepreneurs from that, that hamster wheel of you know, burnout. Rescue us, because we are all like this. And you also just started another thing, right? We are animals. We always create something out of nothing, but it can lead to burnout. So how do we recognize if we are on the way to burnout or if we are nurturing, fulfilling our, our purpose? Easy question. Is it still fun? Yeah, a lot of people, they, they, they get excited at the beginning. They build something and it's like the cut and the thrust and, you know, will they, won't they, but they're throwing their hat in the ring and they're, they're doing whatever they can. And at some point, it gets to a place where we forgot why we started. We forgot that spark that got us up early, that kept us up late. Now it's almost like a commitment. It's like being excited to be a parent for the first time. But now you've got to manage the calendar, the babysitting. You've got to deal with the, yeah, the uh, unruly teenager, uh, you, yeah, all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, is it still fun? Because that's an important question that will keep us on track or off track. Fun is so important. We have the word, the word fun in our mission and people go, but Simon, business is not about fun. And I go, really? So why do you do it? Mm -hmm. What do you think? Why do people start a business in the first place? Uh, various different reasons. And it's the answer to that question that really starts to point us in the first direction as to you know, why they would answer to you. Yeah, why are you having fun? If you're starting a business because you're, ba you're essentially trying to overcome a level of insecurity. And a lot of people do that. I need to prove to the world that I'm good enough. I need to prove to my business studies teacher who said I'd never amount to anything. I need to prove to my parents that I'm better than my big brother who got a good job or whatever it is. I need to prove to myself because I, I don't have that sense of internal validation. You know, I need a business to you know, get my way in the world. If you're doing it to overcome insecurity, whichever guise it comes in, you're always going to be stepping into the corridor of fear rather than the corridor of joy. You're always going to be looking at it through the lens of requirement, guilt, duty, obligation, necessity to get away from the fear that you're not enough, which is the primary human fear that we have as human beings. Yeah, not good enough, not good looking enough, tall enough, rich enough. Well, pick, pick one. 
Now, we've all got a blank to fill in. And so if you're starting your business to try to get away from what you don't want, don't like, can't accept, won't outgrow, then I got news for you. Fun doesn't exist in that corridor. You may think it's at the end of the rainbow, and we'll talk about that and why it never exists for so many people. But if you contrast that with somebody who says, listen, I'm passionate about this. I want to give my gift to the world. I want to captain my own ship because I was born to sail, not born to be a deckhand on somebody else's boat. Then you've got a different energy, a different spark, a different demeanor, a different purpose. Yeah, and that's going to translate into whether you're enjoying the journey or whether you're you know, fearful of what the ocean's going to bring. Absolutely. So we ask ourselves deeply, hey, am I trying to avoid something here to prove a point or am I passionate about it? And the difference is if I'm passionate about it, you see it in, in my eyes in how I talk about it in... Um, in, uh, in the passion that I bring into, um, into the everyday? 100%. Yeah, if your relationship to your business is not the same kind of relationship that you would want to go and meet somebody that <laughs> yeah, turns you on, that you're excited about, that you're thinking about all day because you've got a date at eight o'clock and yeah, you're, yeah, it's on your mind constantly because you've got that inner sense of you know, butterflies because you want to go you know, connect with this person. If your relationship to your business is more like a, a bad 10-year marriage, it's, oh God, yeah, I'm going back to what? <laughs> then we need to talk. <laughs> And even in great marriages, there, there are some phases where you go, oh, all right, okay, we have to talk. All right, we, we have to iron out things. How do, you, how do you see if you are in a situation that needs addressed or if you don't have your meaning aligned with your business anymore? I would say that it has a lot to do with, you know, and I don't want to be esoteric here. I'll get this drilled down for the, for the left brainers amongst us. But yeah, it has to do with your level of consciousness. Now, what do I mean by that? I, I mean, are you, uh, let, me, let me rephrase it. It has to do with your level of emotional maturity, not your age. Yeah, there's a lot of emotional teenagers running around in some very adult bodies. You know, before being entrepreneurs, I'm sure we've all had the experience of working for somebody who's a complete, you know, beep, yeah, because they were egocentric. It was about them. They were slave, slave drivers. They didn't care. It's about what can my business get me? What can I get from my customers? What can my business provide? That is a clear sign of an egocentric viewpoint that, unfortunately, a lot of people don't grow out of this lifetime. If instead you see your business as a vehicle for contributing, as a way to give your gift, as a way to impact people, as a way to serve you know, your clients, your customers, humanity, whatever it may be, are you more out of focused or you know, and where it's on others and what I can do and what difference I can make and I'm passionate about the products that I create or sell you know, because you know, people, I see people getting value. Yeah, or am I passionate about how many things I can sell so that I can get enough money to provide a house for my family so that you know, I can feel good enough to be a, you know, a, a parent or a provider? You get the idea. Mm. And did you start with fulfillment or how was, was your process in finding your, your own way? N nobody's born enlightened. <laughs> yeah. Buddha wasn't born Buddha. He was born Prince Siddhartha. 
you know, and had his own journey of trial and error. I mean, when you recognize that one of the greatest days in a human being's life is the day they come to terms with understanding life is not a comfort-centric experience. Life is a growth-centric experience. And if we're trying to surround ourselves with comfort by getting enough money through a business, to, it's about us, you're essentially going to be like a lot of the billionaires that I've worked with, which have enough money to decorate the prison that they live in. Uh, you can buy whatever furniture you want for your miserable home. Internally, I'm talking about here, or even externally, depends. But for me, I, I was very fortunate. I learned this lesson quite early on. Yes, when I started my first business at 17, I was massively insecure. I thought, you know, when I make my first million, then obviously I will have made it because that's the focus. I mean, we're going back to, you know, 1989, you know, when a million dollars was actually worth something, you know. And, of course, I got my first million. I was in my early 20s. And, you know, I had the Ferraris and I was, you know, flying Concorde and I was having all the trappings and the champagne lifestyle, absolutely miserable inside. And I couldn't figure out why. And then, of course, it dawned on me. The answer is obvious. Right? I thought I'd be happy when I got to a million. Of course not. It'll be happy when I'll get to two million because now I need two million in case I lose the first. Right. So that game never ends. And I've worked with people that are worth $700 million who are miserable and on antidepressants. You know why? Because they're not a billionaire yet. That game never, ever ends. You are on a hamster wheel, yeah, basically running east looking for a sunset. And you'll think that if you buy better shoes, if you hire a better personal trainer, if you run harder and faster, if you, you know, get uh, a better strategy, then you'll finally feel, okay, you'll finally get the sunset that you're looking for. Ain't going to happen. And so for me, I was 25 years old, and I had a wake-up call, which was quite literal. I was working 130 to 133 hours a week. I don't advise anybody try to compete with that. Yeah, I was sleeping four hours a night, you know, getting into the, uh, back from the office at two in the morning, grabbing some sleep, getting out before six, and working seven days a week. I crashed, literally. I was coming back from the office at, you know, close to three o'clock in the morning, like a zombie at the wheel. And I fell asleep driving home and I hit an intersection at 60 miles an hour. And guess what? It woke me up, <laughs> literally. And luckily I wasn't hurt too badly. The, the car wasn't very happy and there was nobody else involved. But I remember sitting at the side of the road thinking, whoa, hang on a minute, what just happened? What, what am I doing this for? I just nearly killed myself for what? So I can buy another Ferrari? so that I can prove to the world that I'm finally good enough when I finally realize the world doesn't give a crap. And I started, it was this dawning realization that I was building a monster that was trapping me. And that's not what I started the business for. You know, I, I, I didn't want to make my own jailer. That's not a good strategy. <laughs> I couldn't have a relationship. I was overweight because I didn't have time for the gym. I was like, yeah, it's no wonder I'm, I'm a mess. And you see so many people's time. And in fact, it's what I would say. The, the, the entrepreneurial joke is that you see people who are hardworking. They're committed. They're so far ahead of the curve because they get themselves up. They are self-motivated. They do bounce out of bed at 5 o'clock to, to start the game. And they work and sacrifice the best years of their life. You know, they, they miss, you know, they, they sacrifice the relationship. They miss their kids growing up. They, they ruin their health so that 
the promise of getting to the end of that rainbow where very, very, very few people actually get. But let's just say you do. You're in that top 1% or 1% that cash out to whatever number you think you're working towards, but you finally become financially independent and yeah, wealthy, whatever it is. So let's just say you get there. You get to the top of Success Mountain. What happens now? I'll tell you what happens. You want to jump off because you don't like the view. What do you spend your money on? Well, now you've finally made enough money so you can pay for your divorce. You can buy your kids loads of stuff so they you know, love you again. And yeah, you can hire a personal trainer to get your health back. I mean, it's a cosmic joke. So understanding that from luckily at 25 years old, I started shifting the game. I realized that yeah, entrepreneurs are trying to prove something most likely to themselves, especially at young age. Right? Because if your friend's got a better watch or a better car or a better this, you feel insecure because society has unfortunately conditioned you to tie your self-worth to your net worth. And if you do that, you're done. There is no amount of net worth that's going to improve uh, or cover over the gap of a, a poor self-worth. I don't know if you'd agree with that. The, the alternative, we feel that we are complete right now, that there is nothing missing and nothing to do. And we come from that mindset and then we act. But it's hard to do. So I'm super curious how you do it in the, in the everyday and how you do it with your clients after one word from our sponsors. What if your business would run well even when you are on vacation? Discover how 1,600 business owners have regained their freedom using the Strategies Prints blueprints. How they enjoy living their dream and watching their business scale. Get the exact checklists they use to go from stressed to fulfilled using the Strategies Prints method. Order your copy of Strategies Prints 12 Ways to Accelerate Growth for an Agile Business on Amazon today. And if you love it, leave us a review. For more information, head over to strategiesprints.com. It sounds easy, but it's hard to do. So I guess it takes practice. I want to hear how do you practice? If you, if you find yourself going back to, I have to work more, I have to do more. How, how do you see it faster? And how do you get off that, that behavior? Let's, let's revisit the, what I mentioned earlier about life is a growth centric experience. Yeah. And when you realize that, that the vast majority of entrepreneurs are again, running east looking for a sunset. But if you realize that life's growth centric, how do you grow? Well, look at the physical body as an example. You grow through challenge. Yeah, you put the body in the gym, it's going to adapt. You put it in McDonald's, it's going to adapt. It doesn't care or doesn't get to choose how it adapts. It gets to choose to the environment that you, you know, put it in. Mm -hmm. So if we think we're in a comfort-centric environment and we've got to get loads of toys and loads of stuff and loads of whatever to prove we're good enough, we, we know that that game, that's a tunnel with no cheese. And the fact that we're in what I call earth school, you know, we're here to learn and we're here to grow. Theory doesn't cover the price of admission to the higher levels of greatness. You might want to tattoo that on the inside of your eyelids. Yeah, or as Bruce Lee said, you can't learn to swim on dry land. So yes, it's tough. It's meant to be tough. Uh, but we're here to grow and you grow through challenge. If you're living comfort centric as an ideology, then you're listening to your nervous system because you're identified with your body. Mm. And your body has a nervous system that is hardwired for comfort. It's by design. It's exceptionally useful. Yeah. If you're sitting on an ant's nest, if you're walking on glass, yeah, you want a nervous system that's going to ring the, you know, the bell and say, oi, red light, 
you know, move away from the fire. <laughs> but that's not who we are. Who we are is way more than our body. And that's easy to demonstrate. I cut off my arm, I'm 15% less yeah, body, but I'm not 15% less me. Uh, what makes you and I, you and I, and everybody listening is the invisible, it's the non-tangible, it's the metaphysical, above physical, right? That's our hopes, our dreams, our wishes, our personality, our sense of humor, our aspirations, our goals. That, if I was to take that out of you, Simon, and put it into somebody else, um, you would be you with a different body. So our body is hardwired for comfort, and that's what seduces a lot of people into the materialism aspect of chasing the more so I can prove that I'm good enough because we're looking at it through comfort-centric to fulfill the gap that we're not enough. But if you realize that we're growth-centric because your soul is wired for growth, that's who you really are. So if you go out and swing the bat, you go out and embrace the challenge, you dance with it. Yes, theory doesn't cover the price of admission, thankfully. So now it's a case of, okay, I'm going to be challenged. I'm going to be challenged at the exact way to demonstrate what I'm learning in real life. Don't you love it? Yeah, if, you're, if you've hired a personal trainer and you're an athlete and you're training for the Olympics, then the role of that personal trainer is to push you out of your comfort zone to get the best out of you as to who you are. Now, as an identity of an athlete, you love that. If I was to approach you and say, hey, son, I've got a great way you can cheat on your workout without your personal trainer knowing, you're going to say, get out of here. I don't get gold medals that way. You know, you don't get a good ass by sitting on it. So when it comes to that mindset, we get it. But if you didn't know you were an athlete, and it's like, who's this guy showing up, trying to force me to run until I'm out of breath, trying to make me do press-ups till my arms ache, right? It's like, you do just enough to tick the box. Well, you're not going to win a medal that way. See, who you are is born for greatness. Who you are is about getting in the gym and saying, right, I'm proud of being able to lift my arms past the comfort-centric level. Now, if you're the mindset of the muscle fiber, you're sending messages to the brain because you're wired for comfort. Stop. I'm being broken down. What are you doing? Help. Send pain. Send pain. But if you've got the mindset of the Olympian, you're so proud of yourself for busting through that and putting two more reps in and getting a personal best. My question to business owners is, which side of the fence do you want to live? Right? No one said it was going to be easy, but it can be enjoyable. An athlete isn't easy, but when they stand on the podium, it's enjoyable. Because that's why we're here. We're here to grow and give the best of who we are to the world. Not to hide out and play you know, small. So how do you do it? You need to recognize what's actually going on as the game. I'm going to teach you a little metaphor here I think all, a lot of entrepreneurs will relate to. And then you'll understand how to get out of the, uh, the game. I call it the curse of the white rabbit. You probably have some like, you know, cinema music that I like, dan, dan, da. The curse of the white rabbit, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's the best. There you go. I, lo I love this game. But what do I mean by that? Let's, let's, let's pick a, a metaphor of a dog track, yeah, where the greyhounds race. We're all familiar with that, even if we've not been someone. So what happens? You show up at the track. There's lots of dogs behind a trap. They open the gates and the dogs run. Why do the dogs run? They're running because they're chasing a rabbit, a mechanical rabbit. Now, a question for you, Simon. Not an IQ testing question, but question for you. Do the dogs ever catch the rabbit? Depends on how, how fast they run. Well, if they run too fast, what does the person in the control tower do? Mm, there's a control tower, all right. 
They well, will they, never catch you. It's a mechanical rabbit. They will never catch you. Never going to catch it because when they get close, it speeds up. Because the object of the game is not for the dogs to catch the rabbit, but for to see which one's going to run past the finish line. That's why people show up and bet. Now, if you look at it from the perspective of the dog, the dog is boom. They're off chasing that rabbit. That's their focus. They're aligned. That's their mission. And they are going full out. But they can never, ever, ever catch the rabbit. Not because they're not fast enough, not good enough, not smart enough. Not because they didn't have the right personal trainer, the right kennel to sleep in, the right exercise plan, the right genes or hereditary. No. They don't catch the rabbit because the game is rigged so that they can't catch it by design. Are you with me so far? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, let's take entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are chasing their rabbits. We call them goals. And what we're doing is we're running after those goals. And we think that when we catch those goals... We are going to feel good enough, fulfilled, happy. Well, I can just ask the question now. The last time you've got one of your goals, how long did that feeling of fulfillment last? 10 minutes. Yeah. Some people a bit longer. Some people like they realize it was never uh, going to happen. And then what do you do? Next goal. Next goal. Next white rabbit. So you may get some fluffy tails that you pin to the wall, but... You go run again because it didn't do it for you. It's like there's, a, there's an ache in your soul. There's, there's an emptiness. It's like a new thing like with me. With Oh, it must be the second million, the second rabbit, the second whatever it is. And so we're running around the track. Now, here's the thing. The reason you don't feel fulfilled isn't because you're not a good enough greyhound. It's not because you're not a good enough business owner, not a good enough entrepreneur, you, because you don't know how to handle uncertainty, because you don't know how to self-motivate. It's none of that. It's that the game is rigged by design that you will never, ever catch the rabbit of fulfillment by running on the track of achievement. The two are incompatible. You may get some short-term happiness about getting your first Ferrari or whatever it may be, but that's going to wear off. We see that with lottery winners on antidepressants after six months. We see that with you know, business owners that, again, get to the top of success mountain and want to jump off. Right? So... Where, how do you get out of this? Your question is, how do you, how do you break that cycle? Well, let's go back to the dogs. Enjoy the, the end instead of the goals, right? Uh, if you look at the dogs at the end, <laughs> can you imagine the dog getting to the end of the race, turning around to his friend and saying, you know something? Ran three races this week. Won two of them. Still haven't caught that freaking rabbit. I quit. <laughs> no. They don't have that conversation. You see a, a greyhound at the end of the race, they're all the same. They are ecstatic. They are wagging. They're panting. They're happy. They're wow. Why? They got to run, and that's what greyhounds are born to do. Rabbit or no rabbit. Entrepreneurs are born to build businesses. That's what we do. But if you're attaching your significance, if you're attaching your you know, avoidance of fear, if you're attaching your ability to get over the fear you're not enough, you know, the ability to prove yourself to some sort of end goal that's linked to some spreadsheet number, some bank statement, some whatever it is, you are never, ever, ever going to get there. Because Not because you're not good enough, didn't work hard enough, because the game is rigged. So how do you break that? I'll tell you. The way that you break the curse of the white rabbit is to come to the dawning realization. This takes emotional maturity. If you can't hear this, then you're just not ready. I'm sorry, I don't make up the rules. I'm just holding up a mirror. But the way that you finally break the curse of the white rabbit 
is to understand that you already are that which you seek. See, once you know that you're already good enough, you were born good enough, you've got nothing to prove, nothing to defend, nothing to conquer, now you're free of the insecurities. You can go chase whatever rabbit you want. You can go start a business. You can go swing the bat. You can put your heart and soul into getting that white fluffy tail or not, but you're not doing it as a way to try to find the mythical you know, end of the rainbow so you can finally think I've made it. When you realize you already are what you seek, the weight drops off the shoulders and now you can go be do what greyhounds are born to do, business owners are born to do. Go swing the bat, give you a gift. Make sense? You are the fun that you're seeking, right? But And the seeking makes you not see it, which is the fun part. Yeah, it's like being in a dark room with a flashlight yeah, and you're desperately pointing the, the light around the room looking for the light. <laughs> right? and, and it's so tragic because yeah, when, when we finally come to understand that, A, everything in the physical world by its very definition means its destination is non-physical. You thought about that. I don't care how much money you make, how many toys you buy, how many houses you have. I've never seen a hearse with a roof rack. Yeah, you're not going to take it with you. The Egyptians tried that and buried it with them. And what did we do? We dug it up 3,000 years later and stole it. Right? You can't take it with you. So what does the game become when you realize that everything in the physical world is subject to the law of impermanence? You look at it from a different game. Yeah, you were born good enough at a time in human history that our ancestors have dreamed about. And people are upset because Starbucks ran out of caramel macchiato or whatever. You know, I mean, come on, gratitude for who you are being alive right now, regardless of whether there's a lot of weight on the bar in your workout in the gym. I get it. There's a lot of people struggling right now. But it's not about the weight on the bar. Ask the athlete. It's your identity as to who's picking up the bar and your association to that. That is the game. I, I just, yesterday, I just committed to a marathon and my wife goes, really? We have three kids and, uh, and you start your marathons again? And I go, you know, I am a triathlete. Um, I need to be back on track at some point in, um, in the appropriate measure, in a scaled down version, of course. But this is who I am. Right. And um, and this will keep me also better in my other roles, in my husband role, in my father role, etc. Of course, I can play longer with my kids. Right. If I take care of myself. So 100%. and it's on an identity level. And I remember my first triathlon where I was like, oh, my God, this is hard. And uh, I quit. I quit. I quit. And then I told myself, Simon, you are an, 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 a triathlete. You don't quit. It was my first triathlon, but I already had the identity right so and that helped and that helped in training in eating etc uh, because hey someone you are a traveler you don't you are you don't give up a traveler doesn't give up and so I, identity is key uh, and we overlook it yeah well why do runners run because they're runners why do entrepreneurs spot opportunities because they're entrepreneurs why do smokers smoke because they're smokers yeah, I did. Why, why do vegetarians not eat meat? It's not because they have different teeth or a different digestive system. Now, the reason you choose an identity can be varied and personal. But once you've chosen it, in that scenario, it governs what you eat off the menu. And yeah, we, we understand that in order to, yeah, 
give the best of who we are, we need to consciously recognize that. And most people are walking around with self-imposed labels or labels that have been given to them since childhood. They've never even questioned. You're not good enough. You're insecure. You'll never amount to anything. Oh, business? What makes you think you're so special? And we hear this all the time, especially if we listen to the BS on the media. You know, I've not listened to anything on the media for 17 years. I've got no clue what's going on in the world. I've got every clue what's going on in my world. And that is so important for entrepreneurs. And I've heard for years, oh, I need to know what's going on. No, you don't. You know, I've run more international businesses than many people. I've never watched the news. I don't care. I'm focused on how do I serve my customers, not how do I program my mind with some poisonous crap that somebody with a hidden agenda wants to be able to put inside me. And what I said about the body responds to either the gym or McDonald's, or for entrepreneurs especially, the diet you want to be most concerned with is not the food you're eating. It's the thoughts you're thinking. Because we live on the edge. We live on a different you know, relationship to uncertainty than the average person. And we have people that rely on us to have their mortgages paid, to put their kids in college. And so you know, we, we need to take care of that inner game more than anything. But I get the, the marathon. It's a call to adventure. And as entrepreneurs, that's what, yeah, that's what lights us up. I, I just signed up for the arguably probably the, the, the toughest sporting event in the world. Yeah, it's been, let's have a thing. It's been nearly 20 years since I ran my last ultra marathon, yeah, the Marathon des Saab across the Sahara, yeah, nearly 300 kilometers. But I just recently signed up for the transatlantic rowing race where me and one other guy were going to row two hours on while one sleeps and then swap. 24 hours a day for two and a half months across the Atlantic from the Canaries to Antigua every year. It's the Talisker Whiskey Transatlantic Challenge. Incredible. Now, am I attaching my self-worth to whether I make it? No. I'm going to go enjoy the view. If I see dolphins, I'm going to want to stop. If I'm going to see it, there's a sunset in the middle of the ocean, it's, it's going to be there. Is it going to be hardship? I hope so. You don't grow inside a comfort zone. It's going to be fantastic. And is it going to be tough? I, I say, I hope so. But stuff like that, you know, why? Because it's a call to adventure, and that's what speaks to me. If I'm doing it to prove to somebody that I'm good enough, then I'm going to get halfway and quit. I'm going to cry. I'm going to battle through. It's not going to be fun. I'm going to be relieved at the end because the nightmare's over, not yeah, a little bit sad because the adventure's over. Make sense? Makes sense. And uh, that's quite dangerous, right? How do you how do you protect from you know from the weather? No idea. Mm. I'll figure it out. <laughs> I've got two years. It, it, the, the race is full until 2024, which is when I'm signed up. I'll be 52 years old at that point, and uh, I'm going with my best friend from you know, um, for, for many years. And yeah, we've got to do ocean navigation courses and ocean survival courses, and you know, you know all of that kind of stuff. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be tough. It's going to be exceptionally challenging. Yeah, polyphasing sleep for two months, two hours on, two hours off for 24-7 is not something that you know, I'd want to sign up for every day. And that's why we do it. Because it's, you know, who, and this is where, again, we talk about why do we start a business? Let me give you an insight into the organizing principle or one of them behind how I set goals. See, the purpose of setting a goal is not to achieve the goal. It is if you're trying to win some trophy on the shelf so you can finally look at yourself without shame. Yeah, or you know, brag your ego or stroke it with some significance issues, right? No. The real purpose for me for setting a goal is to see who do I need to become in order to achieve the goal. 
Most people set goals and targets they know how to achieve. So where's the room for growth? Where's the room for magic? Where's the room for inspiration? Where's the room for stretching beyond our comfort zone and swinging the bat? That's the game. And yeah, do I have any idea how I'm going to achieve that goal? No. That's why it's perfect. <laughs> where do you take your inspiration from? Are there particular books, podcasts where you, that give you inspiration? I've been very fortunate over the last 32 years now, 33 years this year, uh, that I discovered personal growth. I was 17 years old. I dropped out of school at 16. I've got no formal qualifications. You know, I, I couldn't spell MBA. And I essentially uh, came across personal growth. And I'm like, wow, you mean there's an industry that teaches you how to be successful? Because that was my MO at the time. I, wanted, I, didn't have, I wasn't smart in terms of book smart. I didn't have any money. My parents weren't rich. So I, I, I wanted to go out and prove I was good enough, as I mentioned. It was covering up insecurities. But personal growth sold me the way that I could become somebody that could achieve something. Yeah. And so I, I, was, I threw myself into it. Every dime that I got at a young age, I bought a new tape, a new book, a new CD, or whatever it was. And through that journey, I was very blessed to have some, some good mentors. Yeah, I studied Tony Robbins at a, at a, you know, when I was 17, you know, which would be, what was that, uh, 1989. And never thought that I'd end up spending 15 years working alongside him uh, and become his youngest serving trainer. Um, I owe a lot of my initial psychology to my dear mentor, George Zalicki, who was a, a legendary MLM trainer. Uh, Spoke with his wife recently. He's, uh, he's, he's 83 now. I was guest of honor. It was a surprise 80th birthday for him. And he's, uh, he's not doing too well. I mean, he's, he's a stalwart. Yeah, and he'll, but you know, I, I seek out people that have spent a lifetime learning things that work. And, and why wouldn't you? you know, when, when I wrote you know, The Inside Track, I was committed to putting everything I'd learned in that point, 25 years of my life into the shortest amount of words that I could help people with under circumstances that nobody else would ever want to be in. And why wouldn't you want to go read if, if, we, if one thing is relevant that saves you 25 years of trial and error and falling down? And so I say to people, I'm no special. Are you like this all the time, Peter? Well, yes, I am, to be fair. Yeah, and not all the time. Where do you live? Where do you visit? If you live in the gym, You can visit McDonald's and it doesn't really do much. If you live in McDonald's, you can visit the gym once in a while. It's not going to do much. Yeah. So wh where do you live? Where do you visit? Now, I live in positivity, inspiration, possibility. And occasionally I'll have some level of self-doubt or you know, whatever, self-reflection, my energy drops. or It's rare. People say, well, why? How did you get like that? You want the honest answer? I tried being unhappy one time. I didn't like it. Don't complicate it. The reason... The reason people complicate it is because they have rules around what has to happen. Listen carefully. I'll choose this language pattern very you know, deliberately. The reason people are not happy is because they have their own rules around what has to happen in order for them to give themselves permission to feel happy. Case closed. If your rule is, I can't be happy unless, fill in the blank, good luck chasing that. You see, the most successful entrepreneurs, the people that I told you about, you know, are chasing fulfillment rather than success. That's a massive distinction. They have a different ideology, a different philosophy. They're playing a different game. It's an amazing game. Do you want to know what it is? It's the game of feel great now. See, if you're in victim mode, then you're playing the game of feel great if. 
oh, well, if I had this, if I had that, if I had the courage to start a business, if my boss wasn't an asshole, all this kind of stuff. Feel great. And so you're in kind of victim mode. Achievers, entrepreneurs, type A's, they play a different game. They, they're not playing feel great. If I'm not leaving that out to so no, I'm going to go carve my, you know, my business out of stone. I'm going to forge my way in the world and elbow my you know, place through the crowd. What am I going to do? I'm going to play the game of feel great when. When I have my first million, when I get my next quarter's results, when I hire the perfect staff member, when I you know, blah, 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 win the award of best in industry or whatever it is, then I'll feel it. It's bullshit, as we've seen. You're running on the track of achievement, trying to catch the rabbit of fulfillment. Never going to happen. But instead, if you do what the most successful, the most fulfilled, the most calm, the most joyous entrepreneurs, regardless what's going on in the outer world, we all have crazy stuff. People that play the game of feel great if are trying to out-victim each other, if you've noticed that. Right? Never trying to out-victim a victim, right? because the reality is this. 80% of people don't care about your problems. The other 20% are glad you have them. Right? But the entrepreneurs play the, the, the people that I work with and my clients that I teach, I get them to a place where they automatically start playing the game of feel great now. Not feel great if. Not feel great when. Feel great now. Oh, your best client just went to your competitors? Okay. Well, thank God they went so they made room for somebody better. Yeah. Oh, you, you just got a flat tire on the way to the office? Oh, well, yeah, I'm going to be late. So what? Sue me. I'm going to enjoy the view. I'm not going to get stressed. Yeah. Don't try to stress about what you can't control. That's a fast track to you know, a heart attack. Just like trying to control other people you can't control. I mean, that's, that's a great one. You, know, you, you ever seen how many people expect them from somebody else? Mm -hmm. Right. Good luck with that. <laughs> right. Not gonna happen. Relax. Go have fun. Swing the bat. You know something. I, I I came out of prison four years ago. I spent six months in the most violent prison in the UK as the only non-criminal. Never been arrested. Never been accused of a crime. Still don't have a criminal record. I was arguing a you know, multi multi million dollar business deal that we'd done years before with a multi billion dollar corporation that hired better lawyers. And they sold a contempt of court application, which I didn't take seriously. And the judge put me away for six months. Lost my business, lost everything. Got ladled with you know, multi-six figures in debt coming out, no credit rating, no business, lost my wedding, lost everything. It was like, you couldn't find anything else to take away. I went in there thinking, I can't control what I can't control. I saw things that I'd only ever seen on TV and things like prison break, right? I'm like, okay, if the universe is going to put me in, why? I'm not going to play victim. That's a tunnel that has a mousetrap at the end. Right? No. What am I going to do? I'm here for a reason. What's my game? My game is to help people, inspire people. Maybe the universe is putting me in here so that I can help people who wouldn't normally ever get to see my work. So I didn't go in as a prisoner with an identity of a prisoner. We talked about identity. I went in with the identity of a secret agent of change, undercover Jedi. And I went out and I did what I did. And for six months, I got people off drugs. I stopped suicides. I redesigned the intake system to reduce violence between the wings. It's now being used in prisons all over the world. You know, I won a national award for the work that I did. Now, I had a blast. I had an adventure. The guards would ask me, how's it going, Mr. Sage? You know, my response was, living the dream. <laughs> and they would laugh, which is a sound you would never hear in there. Why? Because I was, yeah. I had just gone through a tough time. A lot of weight on the bar. But I can tell you something. I knew that I was filming, I was on location for six months filming the prison scene of my, the movie of my life. 
and it was going to help people downstream. And the book that I published when I came out wasn't written afterwards. It was the 11 private letters that I wrote to my clients from inside, showing them how and why I was doing what I was doing. And I was doing it in a way, I said, listen, if I can be happy in here, if I can make a difference in here, what excuse you got for not applying what I've been teaching you for the last two years when your daughter comes home upset because a boyfriend dumped her or you get downsized or you know your son's on drugs or whatever it is, here are the tools, the techniques that I've spent a lifetime in personal growth learning that I can teach you that are working in here so there's no excuse. And yeah, I, I was so passionate about that. And I came out with absolutely nothing. I was a third of a million in the hole with no assets, no credit rating, no business, no reputation, nothing. Guess how I felt? Excited. I've never dug myself out of a hole that deep before. This should be fun. I don't know how it's going to happen. I've got to sleep on my friend's couch for a while. Well, yeah, more stories for the grandkids one day. Yeah, my self-worth and my net worth are not tied. And as a result of that, um, I, we now have a you know, multi-eight-figure business you know, that, that I've built from scratch since then. Why? It's what entrepreneurs do. And if it all falls down tomorrow, it'd be a damn good excuse to go again. Why? Because that's the game we're in. All right? I'm not trying to huddle behind my bank account so that I can finally feel good enough or protect it from going out and swinging the bat. Wrong game. Real entrepreneurs focus on adding value, and the universe will always find a way for you to be able to rise. But if you sit on the pity pot of why me, I'm going to say, yeah, good luck with that. Give me, give me a shout when you think it's made a difference. What's your purpose? My, my purpose right now is to help raise the global consciousness of humanity. You know, we're going through a tough time. A lot of people are. And you go to biology. If a mammal, of last time I checked, we were one, uh, perceives an outer situation as a threat, it will lose 30% of its muscle strength. If a mammal perceives an outside situation as a challenge, it will gain 30% in muscle strength. You'll have cortisol, you'll have a whole host of biochemicals that flood the body adrenaline to, to prime. It's like, bring it on. And so, I, over the last two years, I've seen the difference between people that got crushed by global events and people that crushed it. You know, I started my business at the start of the you know, pandemic. You know, I'm not here to, you know, to cower or, or blame the government or blame the economy or blame some you know, invisible freaking microbe or whatever it may be. No. I star in my movie. And if I'm the star in my movie, I better get writing a script. And I'm going to enjoy it because I'm here to act. I'm here to show up. I'm going to fluff my lines. I'm going to you know, forget what to say on set. I'm going to you know, bumble in front of some of the supporting cast or film extras. It's, you know, I'm not here to be perfect. I'm here to have fun filming the movie. And there's going to be some tough scenes. You know, James Bond, if he's on location for six months, or if he's on location, let's say three weeks, under the Arctic ice, wrestling the bad guy with frogmen, and there's no five-star hotels in the Arctic, right? But... There's also scenes in that movie where he's on the beach with a vodka martini and a Victoria's Secret model. Now, yeah, he has a preference for those scenes, but he's not going to compromise or bitch and moan about when he's in the Arctic. Why? He's a professional actor. He's here to show up. And what kind of Bond movie do you want? You don't want to spend good money to watch James Bond rescue a kitten out of a tree for 90 minutes. <laughs> and most people are living a life like that. That's what they want to give as a gift to the world. Playing it safe. Don't want to put my head up driven by the good opinion of other people, so I'm always going to compromise my own truth to try to fit in because I'm scared of rejection, I'm scared of judgment, and all the other BS that they haven't grown out of at that level of emotional maturity, which all of us have to go through. 
And again, some not this lifetime. Yeah, I'm not saying I was born perfect. I was a big screw up up until that realization at 25. And I'm still no, not perfect. But my goal here, my mission, my purpose, if I can hold up a mirror, Simon, to allow other people to recognize their own greatness, which usually for most people looking in that mirror, it's pretty foggy. If I can be privileged enough to have learned some of the things people haven't yet had the opportunity to learn or see life from an angle they haven't yet had an opportunity to see, and I can walk forward and shine a flashlight behind me so you can see the pitfalls where I fell down and scraped my knee and hopefully give you enough light so you can avoid them, then that's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And as a result, yeah, I'm having a blast. If people want to work with you, be coached by you, where do they find you? Um, my website, petersage.com. You can find me on Instagram, uh, Facebook, yeah, the usual stuff. Um, we have an amazing peer group that I've put together called the Elite Mentorship Forum. I'm very proud of it because where, where do you go to have this kind of conversation with somebody on Tinder? It ain't going to happen, right? Where do you go to have this kind of conversation in the average bar on a Friday night? Yeah, most people don't have a peer group. They have a fear group or they have a beer group. And that's not going to allow you to tap into your own level of greatness. So what's the fastest way to get rid of limiting beliefs? What's the fastest way to outgrow yeah, um, uh, limitations? I'll tell you. Hang around with people that don't have them. That's you know, case closed. Environment beats will. And most people are trying to be warm out there, running on the spot while living in a freezer. Because the environment will win over time. So surround yourself with people that are setting six-figure goals for the right reasons. That are coming from a place of how can I yeah, collaborate and win together? How can we rise the tide so all the ships rise? Not competition or yeah, yeah, lack of ethics or egocentrism to try to get something at the expense of somebody else. So yeah, I'm, uh, the Elite Mentorship Forum is something I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about. I have another program called Ultimate Self Mastery, kind of a starter program. It's year-long. It's cheapest chips that I try to create for people that are having a tough time. And, uh, and really, yeah, anything that I can do to support you, support your listeners. In fact, one of the best things I can, I can share with you, if you'll permit me, the, the book, The Inside Track. I, I love this podcast. I love what you're doing. I love the tribe that we're speaking to because they're my tribe. I also see a lot of them are still on yeah, under the curse of the white rabbit. So the book that I wrote is called The Inside Track. It costs me, being honest, about $11 to $12 to have it printed, to have it shipped, to have it stocked, to have it order picked, and then posted to, you know, as a copy, hard copy to, you know, people. The sticker price is $24.95 on Amazon. I've put 500 copies aside for anybody listening here to be able to help them out if you throw 10 bucks at me for shipping, uh, which means I'm already losing two bucks, but I'll cover 500 copies at, you know, uh, at a thousand bucks to invest in trying to help other entrepreneurs if they're serious about, you know, I, I can't give it away. If you don't pay, you don't pay much attention. Uh, if you don't give anything for it, you rarely get anything out of it. But if people want to play, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, to put those books aside for you, your listeners, your tribe. And if together we can add some value, I'm all in. Perfect. And uh, who should be my guest, Peter? Say again? Who should be my next guest, Peter? Oh, wow. Uh, Great question. Who should be your next guest? It depends what area of expertise and problem you're looking to solve as a friction point for your audience. Now, personally, I know business is usually focused on business, but I've learned having taught business school for, for so many years that I could teach you how to double your sales and marketing in your sleep. I could teach that drunk. It's not going to change your life. It's going to give you more toys to decorate your prison. But 
where most people rise and fall in terms of joy is in their relationships. So if you're an entrepreneur and you're focused, most entrepreneurs that have um, unfulfilling relationships focus on distracting themselves with what they're good at, business, and then watch the, the, the gulf in their relationship drift wider apart. We've seen that with so many people. But if you were to have a, 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 whether it's a man or a woman, doesn't matter. I mean, the stereotype is you know, a, a good woman behind a man, but there's a lot of amazing female entrepreneurs out there, which I honor in their entirety. But if your partner doesn't get you, doesn't understand you, and that's driving you more into your go-to needs of the business to get your significance, your connection, your certainty, then you could be making a million dollars a week. If you ain't happy at home, you ain't happy, period. You could be having a tough time in business. And if you've got a stellar relationship at the back of you, you'll get through it and you're grateful. So I would invite you to, I don't know, I haven't seen your previous guests, but to bring on a, a relationship expert, the guy that I recommend is Rory Kilmartin. He's, he's peerless when it comes to understanding the, the, the social dynamics between couples and relationships, especially around things like business. And uh, I, if you ask me a question, I wasn't expecting it, but Rory Kilmartin would be my recommendation. Perfect. Thank you so much. PeterSage.com, everybody on Instagram, it is PeterSage007. And uh, yep. thank you so much for sharing your journey, your wisdom, your tools, and even your book with us. Please. Well, I'll, I'll give the link for that, I mean, if I may, and it'll be yeah. PeterSage.com forward slash strategy sprints. PeterSage.com forward slash strategy sprints. Yeah, let's get uh, the we'll get that set up. First 500, it's all yours. Perfect. Let's get those 500, everybody. Thank you, Peter. Please keep rolling, man. Absolute pleasure. Go. Uh... Hey, if you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategysprints.com. What if your business would run well even when you are on vacation? Discover how 1,600 business owners have regained their freedom using the Strategy Sprints blueprints. How they enjoy living their dream and watching their business scale. Get the exact checklists they use to go from stressed to fulfilled using the Strategy Sprints method. Order your copy of Strategy Sprints 12 Ways to Accelerate Growth for an Agile Business on Amazon today. And if you love it, leave us a review. For more information, head over to strategysprints.com.